Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Very happy to be with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with the guys, Neil, Roger, John, myself, Bob. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Good, Bob. Thank you. Well, it's always good uh, catching up with you guys. Well, this week, everybody, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different issues. Uh, One of them is the Joe Rogan issue with Spotify and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and some other singers now starting to say, oh, well, he needs to be removed. He needs to be censored. He needs to be canceled because we just don't like uh, the stuff that he's talked about on his show regarding COVID. So there's that issue. But then also the Canadian trucker convoy uh, issue as well and the implications that that has for us here in America. These are both connected to the whole COVID debate going on right now. So, uh, guys, let's start with Joe Rogan and this situation. To catch our audience up for those who may not be aware, Joe Rogan is, I believe, he's the number one podcaster in America. I'm not sure where his rankings are, but he's either one or very close to one. Uh, He's got about 11 million listeners per episode, and he's by far uh, the big star on Spotify. Okay, well, Joe Rogan is... He's not a conservative by any stretch. He's a libertarian in many areas, but he even describes himself as socially liberal. He's pro-choice on abortion. He's pro-LGBT agenda. So he's left-wing in many different areas, uses a lot of foul language, and certainly. But there's some areas he's conservative on. You know, he's pro-Second Amendment. He also is willing to listen to both sides when it comes to the COVID debate, the vaccine debate. So he's had on his show people like Sanjay Gupta of CNN, who's very much the traditional pro-Fauci guy. Uh, He's had people, doctors from Joe Biden's COVID advisory panel that are all pro-Fauci and pro-traditional get the vaccine. He's had multiple people on like this. But he also has had on people with opposing views like Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone is an immunologist. He's an infectious disease expert. He also happens to be one of the pioneers and co-creators of the mRNA technology that is used right now for these COVID vaccines. So it seems to me he's somebody who ought to have a voice worth listening to as well. Well, Dr. Malone, he's not an anti-vaxxer, but Dr. Malone does say that the COVID vaccines, he has concerns about the potential risks for them. And if you're young or if you're healthy, then he questions whether the risk of the vaccine might possibly be higher than the risk of just letting yourself get COVID. All right, now that's an opinion he has. Fauci disagrees. Okay, fine. But because Rogan has dared to have him on the show also, listening to what he has to say, plus when Rogan got COVID, he took ivermectin, And how dare you promote ivermectin because Dr. Fauci says no. How dare you promote Robert Malone? You're only allowed one side of the story. So consequently, you have uh, Neil Young, for example, who ironically, rocking in the free world, did exactly the opposite and demanded Spotify take down Joe Rogan. Well, Spotify was like, you know what? We can't do that. So Neil Young said, well, then fine. Take my music off of Spotify. That's fine, too. I know. It's like, hey, guess what? Well, 
bye, all right? Uh, but then Joni Mitchell, okay? So basically the, the geriatric singers from the say, 70s. By the way, who is she, who is she Bob? Cause I know. She, I really the, don't recognize Probably her, her most famous. music, and I don't know her. You know what? Her most famous song was one, Help me, I think I'm falling. So one hit one. In love again. Yeah, wait, that's wait, probably wait. her most famous one. What about what? Both Sides Now? Wasn't that a Joni Mitchell song too? Oh, asking you know for, what? Asking yes. for a friend. Yeah. yeah, okay, there we go. So anyway, so now they say, well, we, well, now you got Bruce Springsteen's guitarist who's like, well, take me down too. And then there's a couple of other obscure singers that are now saying the same thing. And I'm just like, okay, well, bye, good riddance. I find this really ironic since Joe Ro- or since uh, Neil Young has kind of a history of controversy. I mean, this is the guy, remember, during the height of the AIDS epidemic back in the 1980s. In 1985, he gave an interview insulting gay people, suggesting you could catch AIDS from a gay grocery store clerk when he said in the interview, quote, you go to a supermarket and you see some blank, F-A-G-G-O-T, behind the effing cash register, you don't want him to handle your potatoes, okay? That's what Neil Young said, but, you know, apparently the cancel culture, it's a different rule today. So Spotify, as you guys know, said uh, delicately, we're not going to cancel Joe Rogan, but we are going to put an advisory on his COVID episodes and uh, link people to uh, traditional COVID-19 sites so that we can at least combat, quote unquote, misinformation, which makes my eye twitch when I hear words like misinformation. So that's kind of uh, some background on what's been going on with the Neil Young, Joe Rogan, Spotify thing. Uh, what I'd love to do is let's just take this around the round table and get everybody's take, first of all, in a general sense of what's going on. And, and John, maybe we could start with you, of course. John Rush, Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado. What's your take on it? He's a fellow podcaster. We're podcasters. What's your take on this whole thing? No, and I think you described him pretty well. You know, does he coincide with us on certain topics? Yeah, he does. Are there other topics where we are, you know, worlds apart? Absolutely. So I think you described him really well. I mean, I wouldn't call Joe Rogan any kind of a, you know, thumping, hardcore conservative. You know, does he look at both sides of a lot of issues? Sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. I'll be real honest with you. Sometimes he doesn't look at it that way. When it comes to these singers, which I don't know, guys, maybe it's just me, but anytime some singer that really all they're really good at is writing songs, and I, and I say that really tongue-in-cheek because some of them aren't even good at that, and they're going to now tell me what I should be thinking or not thinking, um, I just dismiss that. And, you know, whatever Spotify decides to do with them, so be it. I'm not a big Spotify guy either, so everybody out there listening would know where I stand on that. I, I don't know that I've ever even been to the app or listened to anything on Spotify. I do think, though, this whole labeling of Joe Rogan and, you know, basically what they're saying is, hey, there might be a ton of misinformation here, so go do your research. Really, they could say that about the other side more so than what Joe Rogan's saying about the virus, and yet there's no warning signs on anybody that has a podcast on that side of the fence. Yeah. Roger? What's your take? Roger Marsh, of course, bottom line, People's Republic of California. Well, People's Republic of California, where Neil Young is a property owner. I mean, this is a guy who had made so much money in the music industry. I mean, at a very young age, uh, by the time he was 24, he owned his own vineyard, you know, in Central California. I mean, Neil Young has a net worth of 
tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, and the idea that he would say, well, it's either me or Joe Rogan, he's going to lose. I found a breakout of how much money he makes on streaming, and, and it's funny how the uh, the newer artists are complaining how they don't make a lot of money streaming on Spotify, Pandora, wherever, where the older artists, like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, make a couple million dollars a year because they've been grandfathered in, you know, some kind of clause that allows the, them to make more money. But in terms of the Joe Rogan versus Neil Young thing, you know, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, Joe is one of those guys who says, you know, he says what he means, means what he says. The reason he's so popular is he's willing to take a stand on things and ask questions that the regular mainstream media doesn't ask. There was some analyst at CNN the other day who said, you know, maybe instead of trying to cancel Joe Rogan, we should be trying to figure out why so many people want to listen to him want to hear what he has to say that he's willing to uh, i saw a piece the other day where he was uh, challenging the uh, uh the the, the, the in, enlarged heart syndrome that's happening with young men who get the covid vaccine and the expert he had on said well, yeah but more guys are dying from covid from that same condition than are dying or being injured because they took the vaccine and he goes huh i didn't know that you know but <laughs> that's why people like the guy he's got this great appeal 11 million times every time he does the joe rogan experience so in terms of the the canceling and and moving on from a guy like joe rogan you know the, that the culture wants to try to get away from i i it's nice to see these artists like joni mitchell and neil young who are both canadian by the way canceling mm -hmm. themselves um and just to prove a point I think it was a knee-jerk reaction on their part to just say, oh, well, it's either him or me. Because cancel culture that talks about being welcoming and inclusive, it's fight or flight. You have to choose left or right, A or B. There, there is no middle ground with these people. And so, quite frankly, I say good riddance to Neil Young and, uh, hey, old man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you weren't. I mean, come on. Yeah, really. All right. And uh, let's, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this because, Neil, we want to get your take on this. Uh, but uh, before we do, let's take a short break and we'll pick it up from there next year on the National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible verse by verse through in-depth attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on many Crawford radio stations or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at truthforlife.org or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with John Rush, Roger Marsh, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York. Right now talking about the Joe Rogan, Spotify, Neil Young, that whole controversy. And Neil, uh, your thoughts, uh, another Neil, okay, Neil Young, Neil Boron, uh, your, your thoughts, Neil, on this whole Joe Rogan controversy? I don't have a lot to add, you know, based on what you guys have already said. In fact, you guys are way more informed on this because I can say right off the bat, I've never heard Joe Rogan. I've only heard of him, read some articles and things, but I've never heard his podcast. Uh, I'm not on Spotify. I don't utilize it, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of Neil Young's music. There, I said it. But you know, the, uh, what's amazing to me about the whole thing, just kind of reading some of the articles I've seen in Wall Street Journal and other places, is uh, whatever happened to tolerance? Like, because I'm thinking back, I'm old enough to remember the anti-war protests of the night late '60s, and um, you know, a lot of the, what was being said during the sexual revolution, and, and obviously it was the liberal left that, that were always championing the idea of free speech. Whatever happened to free speech? Because later, you know, tolerance became the issue, like in the 90s and maybe early 2000s. We heard a lot about tolerance. Is there tolerance for Joe Rogan? Whatever happened to that? Is tolerance a, 
now a crime, you know? I don't know where we're going with this whole thing, but it's absolutely unbelievable to me that one side of this equation decides what can or cannot be said on a particular issue, and particularly in this case, like, people that are old enough, like all of us, to remember, you know, when free speech was a little bit more uh, uh, embraced in our country, you know, when the idea of what's offered in, in our Constitution was more embraced by the American people, have are we, are we just surrendering the idea that that competing ideas matter and that people can have actual dialogue about issues and raise real questions? And like if Joe Rogan found out something he didn't know about COVID and said, hey, I didn't know that, then good for him. Let's just admit that there are things we don't know and, and learn how to listen again, which means that the other side or whoever has a differing opinion from you has a right to say it. And I just think whatever Spotify, or I'm sorry, whatever, you know, Neil Young is trying to do to Joe Rogan is absolutely uh, not just wrong. I think it's immoral and we ought to stand up against it because we believe in the right to be able to say the things that are on our heart and on our mind. I know. You know what though? And, and John, you know this, the liberal left, they don't believe in tolerance. No, no, they, they don't it's, believe it's in the, the kind intolerant. of... Yeah, they don't believe in diversity. They don't believe in tolerance. They, the, the, the liberal left accuses conservatives of what they, 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 the liberals, are actually the most guilty of. They are the mo- right. some of the most intolerant people, some of the most anti-diversity people. It's basically this. You agree with us, and if you don't agree with us, we're going to cancel you. We're going to try to smear you. We're going to try to destroy you. We're going to try to shut you up, plain and simple, all while claiming that we uh, value the virtues of tolerance and inclusiveness. It's just, it's a big lie. It really is. And, you know, I know we talk about it a lot here, but I think we just need to continue to reiterate that, you know, this is this is how countries fall. This is how, you know, people like Adolf Hitler end up in power and how they suppress those that are out there that are against them. This is how Mao does it. I mean, we can go down the list, guys, of all the all the different, you know, evil, sadistic dictators that have been there throughout history. And, and this is their mantra. This is how it starts, folks. And if you don't believe us, go back and look at history and prove us wrong, because this is the beginning of the end, if we allow it. Right. Uh, Roger, isn't that what John is saying? It seems like it's so true because th- there is this, we're moving into this new realm, if you will, of American society where only one side is allowed to be heard. One side is allowed to be listened to. And if you don't tow the liberal line, the the Democrat, liberal, progressive line, then you're considered dangerous. You're considered misinformation. You're somebody that's got to be censored and silenced. Uh, we're seeing the government doing this more and more, not just the private sector, but certainly social media, uh, big tech. There is a a systematic move in America to censor and silence anything that's not liberal and not progressive. And, and this is what we're seeing here. Yeah, it is really interesting to see the number of people who will just join up in lockstep with what you just described, Bob, and and John, to your point as well. And the idea that this is happening in the U.S. is kind of shocking. It's also really remarkable to see the number of people who will do so and then end their sentiment with the phrase, because our democracy is at stake. You know, because of the American, I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, we have to stop Donald Trump because our democracy is at stake. He's going to try to steal the election, the election that we rigged. He's going to try to steal it. Well, we had to do that. You know, if we cheat, it's okay. If you guys cheat or do something that we don't like, and the definitions are changing all the time, it's it's Francis Schaeffer 101. He defines the word, controls the world. You know, and, and that's in essence what people are are experiencing right now. And it is kind of fascinating to see how many people are are perfectly fine with that. 
I, I'm amazed at the number, uh, how disconnected the idea of education actually tying people to knowledge and ultimately wisdom has become in this country. We've got a lot of people, uh, that, that George Barnett likes to say, there's a lot of people who've got a lot of parchment and not a lot of knowledge. And, uh, you know, the reality is if if I see one more person on a talking head on the news saying, this person has three master's degrees and two PhDs, and yet they spew out this kind of nonsense, it's like, well, I don't know where you got those degrees from, but take them back, please, because you haven't learned anything. And that, that really, it's it's kind of incumbent upon us in the body of Christ to have discernment and then scripture says to be you know with gentleness and respect we have to keep you know getting in the arena and doing battle with this but the 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 group that kept saying tolerance you know then tolerance became acceptance became celebration of leftist ideas and and ideals and and that's i think we're at that point right now and it's 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 going to be an uphill battle but somebody has to stand for actual truth in god's economy well you know what and neil to to roger's point it does seem like this is happening more and more, and I would argue that this is – it's going to be happening more and more in the church as well. This just isn't about conservative political speech. We're going to see more and more where uh, pastors are suddenly having their rights and freedoms infringed upon about what they can say from the pulpits. I don't doubt that for a minute. It already is happening in the U.S. and Canada. We actually touched on some of that last week, I think. But Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have more of a question than anything about all this, and I just kind of want to throw it out there and get some quick feedback on it. Things tend to go in cycles and move in waves, and, you know, sometimes one thing's popular and the next day something else is popular. And I just wonder if this cancel culture mentality in the end, well, not, maybe not in the end, but if at some point in the near future is going to start folding back on the people that are pushing it on the American public. Because, you know... I, People have brains in their heads, hopefully, and we're not just, you know, mind-numbed by, you know, gaming and uh, being on our smartphones all day. Because if we're actually paying attention, then we're seeing what we've heard about being squashed systematically. There is no more free speech in the United States. How can people look at what's happening and not have an opinion about that, particularly if you've been around for a while? I don't think anybody 25 and under is going to have the same viewpoint as somebody who's 40 years old plus. But the reality is, like... Uh, you know, the idea of, of squashing free, I mean, the, here in, at the University of Buffalo, two miles from where I live and where I'm at right now, I'm broadcasting from home today, uh, was a place called the Center for Inquiry. And there was a guy there, Paul Kurtz, uh, who was an atheist, and he ran this organization, which welcomed any idea. You know, any idea was valid. If you had an opinion, you were welcome to share it. And uh, the there was no tolerance for people who weren't open to other ideas. And, of course, conservative Christians who believe in the Word of God and the Bible and absolute truth were the ones who got pushed out of those kind of conversations because they, they weren't free thinkers. But this for, for people that grew up in, a, in an age that valued free thinking, aren't we seeing the systematic shutdown of free thinking and free speech as a result of this? And at some point, don't you think that thinking Americans, thinking people all over the world, Canadians are friends north of us at some point are going to say enough is enough what has happened to our society this isn't the society i grew up in and at some point it folds back on them i don't know if that's wishful thinking yeah. but it's been in the back of my mind 
Well, you know what? It, it's we are moving into a realm where debate is not welcomed. It's just not opposing views aren't welcomed. Sharpen, uh, sh- uh, iron sharpening iron is just not welcomed. Uh, this is a you agree with us, or we're going to shut you down, and we're going to label you quote unquote misinformation and such. But I'll take another short break. Or, we'll or, or, guys, real quick, you know, yeah, no, no go ahead, Bob. I got some of the. I'll tell you what. You come back. Quick short right. break, and I want to get your response to this. More of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. Doctor James Dobson left a success. Successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, myself, Bob Duco, John Rush. Uh, John, you were going to say. Well, in response to what you just said a moment ago about free speech and all the things, I talked about this on my program yesterday. CSU, which is our Colorado State University up north, uh, they have now 17 different resources to help students affected by free speech. When do we need 17 different departments to help a quote-unquote college student understand why their feelings were hurt over what they heard? Can't we just tell them if they don't like it, they can listen to something else, or maybe they should dig into it and find out why they don't like it? How does that affect their views? Uh, is it is it something that you know they can research and figure out whether or not their views are wrong? I mean, uh, where are we going with all this to Neil's point? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that our tax dollars— which, by the way, is what this is doing here, is funding 17 different organizations on campus <laughs> to help a snowflake that is injured because somebody said something they didn't like. I know, I know. Uh, I want to get, before we move off of the Joe Rogan part of this and start moving to the trucker convoy in the second half, I do at least want to address something regarding the word misinformation, because I mentioned earlier, this makes my eye twitch when I hear the word misinformation misused the way that it is, because especially in this age of COVID, here's what the progressive left does. If you don't agree with with our position, if you draw a different conclusion than Dr. Fauci does, then we're going to accuse you of spewing, quote unquote, misinformation. And that's one of the big arguments that we're hearing about Joe Rogan as well. But yeah, does somebody with a platform like that, they can't be putting out misinformation. All right. How do you define misinformation? And by misinformation? the way, says who? Yeah, I know. Exactly. He says who? Okay. Because I, here's what I would love to do. I would love to have Dr. Fauci on the show with us. Okay. And just say to him, uh, basically, is it misinformation to say masks don't work against COVID because you said that on in right. March of 2020 on 60 Minutes, uh, you said, quote, I don't know why anyone would be walking around wearing a mask. It's not going to protect you. That's what you said. All right. You also said that in a private email to somebody, to a friend of yours. So you can't just claim that that was a public lie because you were afraid of a mask shortage. You also said that privately. Now you even have CNN and others that are having experts on admitting, well, it looks like the cloth masks just don't really work. And even the CDC has changed their guidelines now to say, uh, K95, that'll work. But as far as the cloth masks, not so much. So was it misinformation when I said masks don't work a month ago? 
okay? Because it's not misinformation now, but it was misinformation a month ago. Is it misinformation to say Omicron is not all that dangerous to get for the average person? Because guess what? The CDC... The CDC put out a study three weeks ago saying that ninety that the, the Omicron variant is ninety one percent less lethal than the Delta variant. The Delta variant was less lethal than original COVID, and we know that with original COVID, ninety nine point nine percent of the people who got it didn't die. All right, is it misinformation to say COVID in general is not that dangerous for children? Guess what? In the last two years. There's been about 600 children that have died from COVID. And really, those are kids that have died from something else, but they happen to also have COVID. But that's less children than die from colds and flus in an average two-year window. So is it misinformation to say that? Is it misinformation to say that for some people, the vaccine risk might just outweigh the risk of getting Omicron? I mean, when we go through the numbers from VAERS, from the CDC, and the adverse reactions— I mean, why does this stuff have to be labeled as misinformation? Why is it that, you know, if, if six months ago you said that uh, being vaccinated doesn't stop you from catching COVID or transmitting it, that would be called misinformation. But now three weeks ago, the uh, government of South Africa completed a study, issued the findings of that study, declaring that the vaccines don't block Omicron. And we're watching all across America vaccinated people getting Omicron. So it was misinformation for me to say that six months ago, but now it's not misinformation. I, I just, it, it drives me crazy, guys, Bob, when we're labeled as misinformation. Really quick, the data is even supporting quite the opposite that the vaccines are actually. Uh, helping Omicron spread to some of those that are vaccinated. In other words, yeah. there's more vaccinated individuals getting Omicron and having even different side effects than those that haven't been vaccinated. So you could even add that into it. Right. So, so exactly. But see what your what you just said there, what you just said there, John, and the information that I just gave. This would be considered "quote unquote" misinformation if somebody right. uh, copied and pasted a transcript of this podcast on Twitter. The information we gave that would be considered misinformation, taken down and blocked. But hold on a second, we're using actual data from the CDC. We're using data from the South African study. We're using the, the actual numbers itself from the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System that shows over eleven thousand people having died after getting the COVID vaccines in just the last year alone, just to put it into perspective, that's more than double the amount of people uh, through VAERS and CDC that have died after getting all other non-COVID vaccines combined, not last year, but all the way back to 1968. Uh, now, you may say, well, yeah, but I don't, think, uh, I don't think we should be afraid of taking a vaccine. Okay, fine. But you're going to tell me that that's not at least a valid piece of information to discuss so that pe people can make an informed decision themselves, weighing the risk of, do I, want to, do I want to risk my child getting the vaccine and the problems that could come from that? Or do I want to risk my child getting Omicron, which is going to be like a cold and nothing more for almost everybody? Uh, these are questions we ought to be allowed to talk about, and it seems that we're not. Let's do this. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour. 
We're going to wind down our discussion here on the Joe Rogan COVID thing, and we're going to shift this to a discussion on the Canadian convoy. And that's coming up on the second half of this podcast. Folks, you can listen to the second half at your regular uh, radio station that you're listening to. And if it doesn't carry this podcast, listen online. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, you know, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or you can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and listen to it right there. And we certainly welcome your five-star reviews. All right, more with Neil, Roger, John, myself, coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, with John Rush, Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We're talking some COVID-related things. First half, we talked about Spotify, uh, Neil Young, that whole controversy, the cancel culture. Now we shift the discussion to this Canadian trucker convoy. Uh, this is something that has a strong connection for me and my show because I have a lot of Canadian listeners in Ontario, Canada. I know that Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York, also has a large Canadian audience to his show as well. Uh, Roger and John, eh, you know what? Not so much, but that's okay. Uh, but we want to talk about this Canadian trucker thing. If you're not aware, folks, in Canada... They uh, passed their, They basically instructed all truckers that if you're crossing into the U.S. and coming back, you have to be vaccinated whether you like it or not. You have to be vaccinated or you're out of a job. Well, a bunch of truckers in Canada said, we don't appreciate this. So they organized a convoy and this convoy from different parts of Canada to converge this past Saturday in Ottawa which is the national capital of, it's like our Washington, D.C., but for Canada. Uh, You had differing reports of the amount of trucks involved in this. Some reports show as many as 50,000 trucks were involved in this. One of the convoys was as long as 45 miles. Now, to put this into perspective, the Guinness Book of World Records lists the longest convoy ever as a convoy that happened in Egypt that was 4.6 miles long. Here we're talking about a 45-mile-long convoy. They get to Ottawa to basically say, we don't appreciate being ordered to have to get vaccinated. So what's the response? Well, no real surprise. You have Justin Trudeau, the liberal left-wing prime minister of Canada, who says these truckers are basically racist, that they are a, quote, small fringe minority, that they are producing dangerous, quote, hateful rhetoric, and even went so far as to invoke Black Lives Matter and say Black Lives Matter, by contrast, is an excellent example of the kind of protests that that I would be part of and I would agree to because Black Lives Matter apparently doesn't engage in hateful rhetoric or promoting violence 
the way that these truckers do and did, which, by the way, they did not anything close to that. There's actually video of the truckers in Ottawa cleaning up the area and cleaning up the streets after their protests. Uh, nobody was killed. Nobody was shot. No windows were smashed. No rocks were thrown at police officers. No looting was done. No businesses were burned to the ground. No police stations were taken over. None of that stuff. But Black Lives Matter is the model. So uh, I find it amazing that, number one, you can have somebody like Justin Trudeau make these kind of absurd smear attacks on these truckers uh, and somehow paint them as uglier than Black Lives Matter rioters. And then number two, uh, I applaud these truckers standing up and peacefully Amen. saying it's not right for you to force us to get yep. these shots. So uh, I'd love to start with Neil if we could because, Neil, this, this applies to you. i got a lot of Canadian listeners to my show, and so I've been all over this on my show, and I've talked with my Canadian listeners about this and such. And I know you got a lot of Canadian listeners as well that uh, have paid very close attention to this uh, convoy happening what's happening in Canada. So what's your take? What's your feel on this? It's interesting living in Western New York state because when uh, that nor'easter was headed up the East coast last week, I had a lot of people saying, Oh man, are you guys getting whacked with snow right now? I said, no, we're 440 miles from New York city. People uh, make the mistake of thinking if you're in New York, you must be near New York city. Um, but I, I host a radio show that's literally about a mile and a half from the border of Canada um, and our radio station, uh, WDCX-FM 99.5, is 110,000 watt. It reaches Toronto easily, and it has for well over 60 years. Toronto, obviously the largest city in uh, Canada and one of the largest cities in North America. So we literally estimate that about 75 to 80% of our listening audience is Canadian. So, I mean, it's, wow. it's an unbelievable percentage. Um, and I talked about this the other day on the air and people are hot they're angry and very supportive of the truckers now it doesn't mean that everybody agrees with how they protested and what they decided to do um but the but the general feel that i got just listening to the uh no one no one who called during that segment doesn't mean that no one listening disagreed with the freedom convoy but no one uh raised any concerns about the fact that that these truckers took it upon themselves to voice their opinion. And what I, what the strong sense I got from what I was hearing was that many Canadians who haven't had a voice feel like somebody was finally standing up against government overreach and saying enough is enough. Look, this may apply to, to those of you truckers, supposedly only about 10% have not been vaccinated. It may apply to you, but you're actually speaking for us. But let me also point something else out that became very clear very quickly. Um, 90% of truckers have been vaccinated according to, you know, media reports out of Canada, whether or not that's entirely accurate, I'm not sure, but the vast majority have been vaccinated. Um, however, that doesn't mean that they wanted to be, and it doesn't mean that they agree with the fact that somebody's telling them that they have to be. There's an awful lot of people that have gotten vaccines on both sides of the border that are not in favor of the government telling us what we need to do with our lives or with our children's lives. And the Canadian people got behind this thing and said, look it, we kind of feel like you're speaking for us. This is about government overreach and enough is enough. So they stood up and they supported. And I mean, the one article, I saw an article that was in the New York Post. It said 2,700 trucks turned out. And um, 
but a number of other reports said 50,000. No one counted the exact number, but let me tell you, it was way beyond 2,700. I believe 50,000 is more accurate. And it wasn't a couple thousand people that turned out. There was hundreds of thousands, maybe right. millions, when you count how many people showed up all over Canada. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of animosity, a lot of um, conviction that people were displaying. They stood on overpasses as the convoy went by, um, holding Canadian flags. One, one Canadian said, look, at, in Canada, we don't really put our flags out except on Canada Day. But I think we're learning from our American brothers and sisters that it's time to start flying them on our homes and go down neighborhoods and see one on every other house. So uh, they were saying, look, the Canada we grew up in, we don't recognize anymore. And we're ready to stand up and say enough is enough. And I think Justin Trudeau and others were doing everything possible to more or less incriminate these folks. And by the way, again, I, I said this in the first half of the podcast. Go back and listen if, if you're interested in what I was saying there. But who in the right mind would listen to Justin Trudeau saying that the model for protest is Black Lives Matter <laughs> when you see the burning and the looting and the destruction oh, of public property versus these truckers who are cleaning up the streets behind them. And by the way, there's always, I don't know what you'd call them, but there's always a plant in every protest. In other words, right. people from the other side right. who come and urinate on statues and other things. That's not the heart behind the truckers who are driving across. By the way, one person said to me, uh, I travel every day delivering goods from the U.S. to Canada. And I'm not a trucker, but I use a, a regular vehicle. But I cross over the Peace Bridge, which is right near where I, I host my radio show every day. I cross into the U.S., I pick up medical supplies, I bring them back to Canada. And I'm being forced to quarantine every single time that I do this. Um, he said, I'm losing about two to $3,000 per month because of the mandate and the quarantine. So this is a big deal. The Canadians feel strongly about it, and I'm totally in support of what they did. Oh, I know. You know. And by the way, the thing you said about the plants, this is an important thing for people. Liberals do stuff like this all the time. And one of the things that Trudeau and some of the liberal media in Canada was pointing out was that there were multiple swastikas that were put out. Okay, there were two, two flags with a swastika on them, okay? One of them was one of the protesters who had a Canadian flag and drew a swastika on it, not to promote Nazism, but to send the message that Canada is acting like a bunch of Nazis, yes. all right? Yes. And then the second flag, exactly, and then the second flag with a Nazi symbol on it was actually at a really swanky hotel. Actually, it's it's the most expensive hotel in Ottawa, and it's uh, almost on the other side of town, several blocks away. It's a really, really ritzy hotel that's known for a bunch of members of parliament that stays there, okay? Uh, and it is super, super expensive. No, I have a hard time seeing some uh, semi-employed trucker staying at that hotel making a statement with a flag out his window from the other side of town that's nonsense that's clearly a false flag yeah. plant kind of thing from some rich liberal in that hotel so just a lot of dishonesty at uh, at play here let's do this let's get another quick break in i want to get uh, certainly roger and john's take on the truckers as well and that's coming up next here on the national crawford roundtable podcast learn how to walk the narrow path with steve gray with over 40 years of studying the bible steve gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life listen to the narrow path on many crawford radio stations or online at the narrowpath.com 
The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, with John Rush, Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, uh, talking about right now the uh, trucker convoy in Canada. And Roger, your thoughts, your take on not just what Neil was saying, but just these these truckers and the way that they are being smeared by Justin Trudeau and the liberal media in Canada. By the way, I'm waiting for a uh, U.S. truckers convoy. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that doesn't happen sometime before the in the first half of this year. I think it's one of the most effective things I've seen in terms of people saying, how do we take the many different pieces, the many different facets of the argument here and put them all in one conversation so people can understand them? I mean, to Neil's point, uh, 90% of these truckers are already vaccinated. How many of them did that, you know, jabber job situation where they felt like they had to? It isn't so much a question of whether or not people want to get a vaccine to try to fight off the uh, coronavirus. The, the issue is what, how far can the government go? You know, to tell you what to do and how to live your life when you're coming in and, you know, how much money is actually being lost. And it's amazing to me to see the reports coming out of places like the New York Times and the Washington Post about how the U.S. economy is thriving in spite of COVID. But then they'll add in paragraph six or paragraph seven. Well, the reason they're thriving is because people are getting all sorts of governmental supplements. And to the point about the driver who said, look, I lose two to three thousand dollars a month because I'm quarantining. I can't drive, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is ridiculous. It's amazing based on our earlier conversation, to me anyway, how many people in this dialogue, not more dialogue, but I mean the general dialogue here, uh, have, have lost sight of the fact that there are many people who are not anti-vaccine, but they're anti-vaccine mandate. And right. the, when you when you parse it out that way, you find a lot of commonality. There are some people who said, I'll gladly get jabbed. I think that's going to be the best thing for me. I'd gladly not get jabbed. And, and people can peacefully coexist as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. I think what the truckers are doing is trying to get everyone's attention, saying, look, that this you're hurting people you're harming them you're 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 cutting off their supply of you know whatever it is so we're going to cut off yours for a while and i mean a, a convoy that goes on for miles and miles and miles and miles is is one of those you know shows of support and a, a great demonstration that i think we see need to see here in the u.s now i wonder if justin trudeau's comments about blm being the model has anything to do with the reports was it last week that BLM transferred millions of dollars to a Canadian charity that was run conveniently by the wife of one of the lesbian founders of Black Lives Matter without anybody's approval, and they wound up buying a 10,000-square-foot historic property, you know, $6 million, whatever it was. You know, sure, if that's the model, that's the kind of organization you want to be a part of, and if that's where Justin Trudeau is, then let's all take notice and and don't say he didn't warn us. He's showing us exactly who he is, and right. uh, it's time for us to show the world exactly who we are in terms of truth and justice and, and actual liberties, whether you're American or Canadian. You know, John, it's it, I, I do wonder, what do liberals, what do progressives, what do they think about uh, Justin Trudeau saying Black Lives Matter. Oh, that's something I'll go to. That's a protest I'll be involved in because they're an excellent example. He yeah. says, unlike, and then he described the truckers' convoy as, quote, uh, protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric and violence toward fellow citizens. It's like, you have to be kidding me. That's exactly what Black Lives <laughs> Matter protests uh, were, violence against citizens and hateful rhetoric, not the trucker convoy. I know that I'm probably, you know, <clears throat> not as versed as 
you guys are, you know, Bob, you and Neil when it comes to knowing Canadians and so on. But, but I know a few and, and spent some time even with some folks at the auction that I was at last week you guys were mentioning earlier. And, you know, let me, I'll just tell you this. I haven't met a Canadian yet that A, likes Trudeau or is against anything going on when it comes to this trucker movement that's happening as we speak right now. They are fed up. They don't like the way their government is is headed. I mean, this is the same Justin Trudeau that had COVID and yet comes out on Monday and tells, triple vaxxed, by the way, and tells everybody on, on Monday the best way to avoid COVID is to, again, get vaccinated. I mean, this guy is just a total knucklehead. I know. And, you know, I, I guess... What drives me crazy is I, I look at what's happening around us. Let's face it, everybody's getting Omicron. It spreads very easy. Okay, everybody's getting Omicron. Doesn't matter whether you're vaxxed or not. Doesn't matter what, by the way, it doesn't matter whether you've had uh, COVID previously or not. Okay, pretty much everybody's going to get Omicron. But also for just about everybody, it's like a cold, exactly. okay? That's about it. It's like catching a cold. So who cares how easily Omicron spreads? But if we know that the vaccine isn't going to block you from getting uh, Omicron, then why in the world are we not only pushing the vaccine, but demanding and ordering the vaccine, or we're going to destroy your business. Uh, that to me, you know what, uh, Neil, I got to ask you, you're a pastor. I'm telling you, I not to try to over-spiritualize this, but I see some spiritual deception at play here. That's the only thing that I can think of that, that there, the enemy has to somehow, some way, be spiritually blinding and influencing people because in the natural, there's no logical reason why thinking people with opposing thumbs that they can actually not see that the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting Omicron, but with a cult like obsession, wide-eyed, they insist, you have to get the vaccine, you just have to get the vaccine. Uh, it doesn't matter if masks don't work. I don't want to hear that. You have to get it. You have to wear masks. And you can't talk logic with them. And it, it, there's got to be some kind of spiritual deception at play here. Well, first thing, fear is not of God. And so much of, of what we're hearing in the media, so much of what's being said publicly is fear-driven and or it's fear-based. In other words, it's designed to incite fear on in the part of people that are hearing it. Which is why, you know, the, the, the national media will show you that some guy who died a horrible death, his eyeballs popped out of his head and, you know, he was, he was triple vaxxed and he got COVID and he died. What, um, or no, the true narrative, he was unvaxxed and he got COVID and he died. You know, you're going to hear about that guy, but you're never going to hear about the, the 10,000 people that survived it this month. Um, and so the media is telling us, they're trying to shove this narrative down our throat. And what's amazing is that, we just talked about it, that Justin Trudeau can stand up and say, you know, this freedom convoy is inciting violence against fellow Canadians. And yet virtually everybody who watches the media saw the, the footage of Black Lives Matter, you know, crashing through plate glass windows, looting stores, burning buildings, destroying entire communities. And, um, and people being harmed in the process, and yet people believe what he's saying, I think that it rises to the level of demonic deception. It's yeah. fear-based, it's not of God, and I literally believe there's de demonic deception going on. Maybe not entirely, maybe not in every conversation, but I mean, overall, what we've witnessed over the last two years is unconscionable, apart from an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what we're watching happen in our nation. I want to ask the other pastor on our panel, Roger Marsh, 
your thoughts on this as well, the, the demonic spiritual deception and blindness that has to be at play here because I got to tell you, Roger, there in the natural, it doesn't make logical sense that you can't have a rational discussion with people based on the facts and, and based on the evidence. It's almost like talking to a progressive uh, mask-wearing liberal today who demands that you be vaccinated is like talking to a holodeck character on Star Trek Next Generation. I know, sorry guys, for non-Trekkers, I know that's really obscure. <laughs> but it's like they, they, they can only communicate with you within the pre-programmed framework of the character that's been created, this computer-generated character. And you can wave your hand in front of their face and go, uh, are you self-aware? Can we have a conversation? Can you acknowledge the the numbers and the facts that I'm giving you? They can't. It's like they have a pre-programmed, almost cult-like obsession with you have to wear a mask, you have to get the vaccine, and I can't hear anything other than Charlie Brown's teacher if you give me facts contrary to that. And it's like, Roger, how do you communicate with people like this? It's got to be a spiritual deception. Well, as the father of a student who's studying graduate studies in trombone, I completely resonate with the Miss Othmar reference there of the muted, exactly. I mean, because Lord knows we've heard enough of that, and that's what it's like talking to your kids. But that, that's what it's like talking in the media, too. You know, and it's interesting to, to Neil's point about why, why are we not hearing about the 10,000-plus people who survive COVID every day when one person, mm. without a vaccine, when one person gets vaccinated or doesn't get vaccinated, they wind up dying, and the implication is that they gave it to everyone they've ever met in their entire life and they're all going to die too but I, I think about what i learned early on in my uh, early journalism classes early, way back in the day with regard to you know what are the, the the headlines that get people's attention if a dog bites a man no one cares but if a man bites a dog then that's front page news and so basically those unvaccinated dies a horrible death of COVID are man bite do- uh, dog bite uh, man bite dog stories because you keep seeing them over and over and over again but you don't you see them so often that you don't think, hey, wait, that's the exception rather than the rule. And so now to have any sort of measured conversation, absolutely, I mean, the demonic activity is there. In the same way that we see where God in the Old Testament, you know, would, would make the, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah guys, <laughs> they're, you know, make them blind so they're stumbling around in the dark and they can't see. You know, I remember the, uh, the prayer of, uh, was it Brother Andrew, a God smuggler, who said, hey, you know, uh, a God who's made blind eyes see makes seeing eyes blind, you know, so I can get these Bibles in behind the Iron Curtain. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way that God has done this for his purpose and for his glory over, you know, how many centuries, now we're seeing the evil one really having a heyday and just blinding a lot of people who will not see the reality of, to your uh, point earlier, Bob, about the number of children who have died of COVID. What's it, 600 or so? Does anyone have any idea how many kids there are in the United States right now? At last count, it's 77 million. But does right. anyone do the math there? No. 600 kids. Here are their pictures. Here are their sad friends. Here's their mom and dad. Here's their pet wandering on the bedroom saying, where's the child? I don't know. This is so awful. And the implication behind every one of those stories is every kid's going to get this and every kid's going to die. That's and right. you, can't have, you can't have an honest conversation about it anymore. I mean, do the math. 600 divided by 77 million? That's a pretty yeah. small... I don't think my computer can handle the percentage that small. And of the 600, right. how many had cystic fibrosis or right. as leukemia? Yeah, sure. Yeah. They're Absolutely. dying with COVID. You know, there was a, I saw some, right. I saw some story about, uh, uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know what? Let's do this. We got to get one more break in real quick. Uh, we'll pick it up from there next on the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. 
This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Spending the last few minutes on this National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, Neil, Roger, John, myself, Bob, uh, talking about COVID and the truckers' convoy. And I, I, guys, I saw this, this uh, thing. It was actually Rochelle Walensky. She, uh, she was being interviewed. She's the head of the CDC, of course. And she was refuting the claim that was put out by, oh, who was it? There was, I'm drawing a brain block. Somebody that was claiming that there were 100,000 children that are hospitalized because of COVID and many of them on ventilators. And it's just horrible. And I can't remember who it was, but it was some famous person threw out that number, some famous liberal, uh, might have been a politician or somebody, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, so Walensky says, well, no, uh, here's where we stand right now. At this point, there are about 3,500 children in hospitals. And she said, with COVID, all right? Not because of COVID, with COVID. And at least I give her credit for, for acknowledging the difference between the two. Uh, that matters because if you think about it, every, every, every single child that's taken to the hospital for anything. You, you fall off at a tree and it break your arm, okay? A, a child has a, a pneumonia, a child has some kind of sickness, they're battling cancer, leukemia, any reason whatsoever that a child is in a hospital, they are going to be COVID tested automatically. So it stands to reason if Omicron is spreading everywhere that if you have who knows how many tens of thousands of children in a hospital for any at any given time for any reason, and you COVID test every single one of them, common sense says you're going to have probably three, 4,000 of them across the country that happen to, at that particular moment, test positive for Omicron. But that's not why they're in the hospital. Uh, but what we hear, the news report from this was CDC director acknowledges 3,500 ch uh, children hospitalized, COVID hospitalized, creating the impression that they went into the hospital because they got COVID and it was so serious for them that that's what put them in the hospital. And that's just flat out not true. You have a very small number, if not possibly zero children that are actually in the hospital because of COVID. And I just want to cite the American Academy of Pediatrics themselves they have determined that the amount of children that actually die from COVID, that they believe die because of COVID, is anywhere from on the high end 0.02% to on the low end 0.00%. The American Academy of Pediatrics acknowledges it is very possible that there are zero children that have actually died because of COVID. And the highest number we can come up with is 0.02% if we really are generous to the pro-COVID people. Uh, that, to me, ought to be significant. But you know what? Let somebody get the transcript of this podcast, put that on Twitter. It's going to get banned for, quote, misinformation. But I'm merely quoting directly from the American Academy of Pediatrics itself, John. No, you're, you're exactly right. We've actually got a doctor that I have on my program every Thursday, and we go through all these numbers, all this data. She, this past Saturday, 
was banned from Twitter, Bob, for the huh. very reasons you're talking. So, yes, very, Incredible. very familiar with everything you're talking about. We have not given out one item of misinformation, anything you can't factually back up. She is a very uh, astute uh, doctor. She's been uh, a doctor for 30, probably 40 years, actually. Uh, she's, she's done this for a very, very long time and, and really gets it, understands it. By the way, guys, she's probably one of the few individuals I've ever talked to that can explain everything in layman's terms and, and really can get the point across. And again, because of all of that, this entire conversation we're having, guys, because she is now labeled as giving out, quote unquote, misinformation, she's now banned from Twitter. I know. Uh you do wonder where the, I mean Roger where do you how do you think this plays out is this just a progression that's going to continue in this direction or might this be a, a phase that just like we look back and remember the days of bell bottoms uh, might there be a time where we look back and go boy remember that cr- that cancel culture craze where you couldn't uh, say anything contrary in ca- with a conservative view or you are banned from social media and everywhere is this going to be a craze or is this just basically the new normal and we just watch ourselves go to the next level beyond this i hate to say this but i have a feeling that we have uh, well as they say in the television industry that we've jumped the shark on this one that, that we actually have hit the point of no return, that there are people that you will lose in this conversation simply because they have been so deceived into thinking that what they believe is actually the truth. And the belief is based more on feelings more than anything else. It, it's been my experience, and I think there is some scientific data to back this up, that the fear factor that's going on right now, which ironically was the name of the program that Joe Rogan used to host, circling Hmm. back around to the beginning of our conversation here. Um, The fear factor is what's driving so much of this. The people who are deathly afraid of death. I was talking with one of my kids uh, the other day who works at a school, Christian school, and there's a person who's part of their, uh, their faculty there who has a husband with a compromised medical condition, and this woman has just been adamant. Mask, 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 jab, 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 and then she got COVID. And now her whole world is shattered because she was putting so much faith in the vaccine, in the mask mandates, in the distancing, in the everything, that it never occurred to her that she might get this. And now she's afraid she's going to die. And my, my question to anybody of our faith is, well, it's not a question of if you're going to die. There's a question of you know, everyone is appointed to each of us to die and then the judgment. So it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, it's a question of how, and how ready are you to face Jesus? You know, and if, you've, and if no one's ever been asked that question before, I know right before my open heart surgery, a very uh, uh, kind person from our church council uh, ran into her and her husband while we were out doing some shopping the day before the surgery, and she asked me that question, are you ready to die? Because she had been through cancer, and she had literally, as we would say, stared death in the face. And without even hesitating, I said, well, sure. You know, I mean, I want the surgery to go well. There's no known risk, I mean, that, that my surgeon has ever experienced in terms of maybe the possibility of a blood clot, you know, when they're starting your heart and then freezing everything and starting it back up again. But the, the reality that there are a lot of people who've never considered it. They just figure, hey, I'm an American. You know, I, I got money. I've got position. I've got whatever. So I'm going to be just fine. And the reality is every one of us is temporal. I mean, th- these bodies are temporary. I mean, our souls are eternal. And, and if we spend too much time caring for the body and not enough for the soul, then we wind up, you know, completely missing out. And so I, in, in one sense, I'm frustrated with all the misinformation qu- claims that are being made because most of those people are basically making their claims based on misinformation that they've heard. 
But at the same time, I think the pastor part of me is kind of glad these conversations are, are coming to light because it's really helping us to realize, guys, job one is Matthew 28 and Mark 16. I mean, yeah. it's love God, love others, and go into all the world and preach the gospel. And Amen. so whether or not we, we change the laws or you know, whether or not we can, we can stop the spread of misinformation, all we can do is be true to our calling and, 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 and stay at our posts and be at the ready, you know, armed with the, uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness and truth and the, the, right. the gospel of peace, everything. All that Ephesians 6 stuff now is coming into play. I, that's, sorry, it's a long way around the barn to say, I think we've passed the point of no return, and unfortunately, this is going to be the new normal. If it's not going to be COVID once this fury dies down, it's going to be something else. But uh, there are a lot of people en masse who are going to have drunk the Kool-Aid, and now it's our job just to do triage on the one or the individuals that right. we can actually help. You know what, but that's that's a really good point. Maybe that's a great way for us to close out this podcast today because, you know what, you're right. I mean, God is the ultimate in making lemonade out of lemons. And we've got a lot of lemons that are put out there right now with this fear factor that's been created. But there's also a lot of non-believers that are being unnecessarily, through COVID, uh, put into panic about the possibility of dying. But it also gives us an opportunity to, uh, to, to maybe let them see that, you know what, death is going to come, and are you prepared? Do you know the Lord? Uh, because uh, you know, the more somebody thinks about death, I mean, personally, I think one of the best witnessing opportunities, best chances for somebody to accept the Lord is somebody that's on death row. You know, when they're facing potential death and you don't know the Lord, you're forced to start thinking about what's going to happen after I die. And so maybe that's kind of a silver lining opportunity we have uh, regarding witnessing. Not that we're going to do it in a stupid way. Hey, COVID, you know what? You might die. So uh, you better listen to what I have to well, say. But, you know, it, it's uh, – yeah, Neil, go ahead real quick. Let me just jump in real quick because – you know, so much of this is based on fear. And Roger, I so appreciate what you said and Bob, how you're following that up. But the reality is, you know, when we when we actually listen to what other people are saying, <clears throat> we get insight as to what it is they're actually dealing with. And it may not be so much about vaccines and mandates and COVID and, and um, you know, remedies and so forth. It, it really actually might be just that they're living in fear and they, and they have a fear of dying. And God begins to show us ways in which we can love those people where they're at. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who once said, you know, one question. I mean, he wasn't uh, super popular for the Emancipation Proclamation and the end of slavery and, you know, the Gettysburg Address and stuff. Not everybody in the South agreed with him, but he once said when questioned about how to win enemies, he said, Madam, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And, <clears throat> you know, I think as the people of God, we ought to recognize that the highest calling we have as believers, like Roger said, is to win people for Christ. And so winning arguments about COVID isn't the first thing. And I don't think we have to win. I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we think if I can just get that person to agree with me, there's a better chance they're going to be interested in the things of God. I just say we just go for the juggler and say, Lord, uh, help me to love them the way you do. Help me to, to hear what their fears are, hear where they're coming from. And you can fix all of their thoughts about science and COVID and everything else. Um, what what really needs to happen first is that they come to know you. So that's amazing. Yeah. And Bob, last thing, was it um, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor who said about the 100,000 kids, I think? Yes, was, you're right. Okay. You're absolutely right. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that was Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, and she also said that Omicron is just as deadly 
as Delta was. And it's like, really? The CDC says 91% less deadly, <laughs> if yeah. facts matter. So, uh, all right, uh, folks, there you go. It's another National Crawford Roundtable podcast in the bank. We always appreciate you folks listening to us. Uh, you can listen to past episodes of our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Of course, you can also go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Uh, we get a lot of five-star reviews. We appreciate that. Thank you, folks, so much. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California that doesn't know what snow looks like. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> Myself, does? Bob Duco. <laughs> uh, guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Look forward to next week. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you bet Here we'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thanks for joining us. The first half of the podcast can be heard each week on this Crawford Media Group station. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. The National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. This is a Crawford Media Group production.